0: Hi and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. So this podcast is all about inspiring you, motivating you, pushing you on to achieve more in your life, whether that's in business, property, your health and fitness, your personal life, every part of your life. This podcast hopefully will help you achieve more, do more, get to where you want to be. So just before the episode starts, I have just launched a new website called TerryBlackburnProperty.com. On there, I've got all of the services that I offer. So one-to-one coaching in business, property, time management, goal setting, sales, persuasion, loads of different things on there. I've got some online courses, some one-to-one coaching courses as well. So please have a look on there. Really appreciate your support. And if you want to get involved, you want some more specific help from me, you want some more one-to-one coaching and and a Assistance from me to help you to get to where you want to be. It's all on there. Also, got a couple of books on Amazon and Audible. The Be Lion, which has won multiple awards worldwide now. And The Power of Peas is the new one, all about the different P words profit, power, perspective, purpose, etc. I hope you'll really enjoy. One last thing from me if you enjoy these podcasts and you benefit from them, you learn from them. All I ask is that you share it with your friends and family or someone who you think the episode is relevant to. You leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would massively help. The more shares we get, the bigger guests I can get on the podcast, the more people we can help and the more I can grow the show. So thank you so much. Get in touch if you like what you're listening to. And don't just take notes, take action.
1: Hi and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. Now today's guest, really good friend of mine, a business partner of Ian Preston who we've also had on the show. Wealth of experience in multiple industries, but to give you an indication, estate agents and letting agents, a prop tech business, an architectural firm, financial services, land and deal sourcing, construction, and he's been involved through his estate agency of several billion pounds worth of property transaction sales. Wealth of knowledge, wealth of experience. It'll be a really interesting episode. Um and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm sure there'll be plenty of lessons. So welcome to the show, James Baker.
2: Thanks, Terry. Quite an introduction. Yes, it is, it's deserved <laughs> as well.
1: <laughs> deserved as well. Yeah. Um so thanks for coming on, James, really appreciate it. So what we like to do in the show is we like to break it down into three parts. First part is a little bit about how it started, how you got into business. Mm-hmm. Second part is the key sort of Lessons the key highlights, any real big wins that you've had, and then a little bit about the future about what you see going forward for yourself, your career maybe any industries, property related stuff. Sure, Probably fantastic! Yeah, so could you start by telling us a little bit about how it all started for you and how you got into business?
2: Yeah, um, well, you mentioned Ian Preston, uh, yeah, sorry, he's in fact my cousin, yeah, so my first cousin. And he got me into a state agency. So Mm -hmm. in my youth, I spent a bit of time um, in hospitality and I was working in a pub in Manchester uh, Mm -hmm. where I was the landlord and I went up to cash the tills at the end of the night and I looked across at this flat roof and there was a guy in a balaclava with a bat staring me in the face and he looked really surprised and I was really surprised. And uh, he ran off and the police said basically they break into the upstairs flat, wait for the safe to open when you're cashing up at night, bonk you over the head and nick the takings. It was about 24 at that time, and I thought probably not for me this game anymore. So Ian dragged me into a state agency up in the two, up in Newcastle. Yeah, and that was the start of the career. Was it? Mm-hmm. See, so yeah, hospitality as I'm
1: experiencing it's a hard, yeah. hard gig. Long um, hours, for sure. Uh, so you got into a state agency. How old were you? I was 25. At that 25, time. yeah. And Ian's talked a little bit about how that started, but it went from zero to what does that? What did that look at? Sort of at its peak. Maybe yeah. staff-wise, size-wise, office-wise?
2: At a peak, we were probably at about 130, 140 staff. Number of offices, we went up to seven, eight. We've subsequently reduced that down since COVID and the working from home and the ability to service areas from, from hubs rather than having lots of little offices dotted everywhere, which has reduced the cost basis. But yeah, about seven offices with our max seven offices, fair play, and that's quite a big. Outfit for anybody in, in, yeah. in
1: quite an early age as well. Um, how did you find that? Was it a challenge? Did you did you love it? What was it? How did you sort of find that experience of that that growth yeah. that
2: in a relatively short space at a young age? It's interesting. It takes you from what you know well, which I knew well, which was going out and doing a deal, going into someone's house, putting the house on the market, could do that all day long. Mm-hmm. But when you expand that quickly, suddenly your role is not necessarily the doer. It's the organiser, so it's then managing people, it's HR issues, it's hiring, it's recruitment, it's lots of stuff that really you've never really had a massive amount of experience at before. Mm. Um, So I found it challenging, I definitely Mm. found it challenging. I much preferred, I probably enjoyed the element of going out and doing the stuff, rather than the management and the growth aspect. It was exciting, but there were elements of the job that I found a bit of a chew, difficult to do, that I didn't want to do. Can imagine. And
1: I've had quite a big business before. It wasn't of that size and, and that many staff. It was close, and, and I definitely found that a challenge at a young age. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it does take the. I mean, I don't know. Did you find it? It takes. Certainly for me, it took a little bit of the enjoyment away as you go through that
2: crazy growth phase. Yeah. You tend to enjoy a little bit less. Did you find that? Yeah, it's exciting. You know, when you look at the numbers and you're your family yeah. and your friends you know, like, and like, I'm doing this and all like, wow, it's amazing. Yeah. But actually, the day to day. Was, was challenging, there's a, I think there's a book, of, something about Lick the Toad, and it's about basically, you've got to do the jobs that you don't want to do first in the day, otherwise you just put them off and you don't do them, so you just yeah. do the ones you don't do. Yeah. And so I found that that strategy of just doing the bits that I really didn't, HR problems, stuff like that, mm-hmm. deal with them at the beginning of the day, and then use the remainder of the day where you, maybe your energy and your focus is slightly less, to do the stuff you enjoy anyway that's a good lesson actually is I think it's Brian Tracy that book isn't it yeah.
1: um, and it's yeah because if what happens is if you've got something that you don't really want to do yeah. Yeah, and you put it
2: off it spoils the whole day because no, you're ready actually doing it you so, procrastinate you do it and what happens you don't yeah. end up doing it you put it on the next day's to do list and actually it then just turns into mm. a bigger problem a bigger thing that you Definitely. don't want to do you know the elephant in the room just crack on and get it done get it done
1: I think that's a definite lesson for the, uh, the listeners if you've got something that you maybe just putting off right now. Get it done. Just, just get it done, yeah. yeah. Get it done, love that. So I think you're playing down your success a little bit because there's lots of things that you do and lots of things that you've done yeah. in the past that were, were, were amazing, to be fair, from what I know about it. So is there any key moments in your career, anything that you're really proud of, any key wins, any
2: financial big wins that you've yeah. had throughout the, the time in business? I've been involved in a lot of the state agency where I've really enjoyed the aspect of going and delivering great things for people when I've been going out and valuing the house and selling it. But I think the development of the Land and New Homes business which we started in 2012 is a big passion of mine. I love development love property flipping. That part of the business I found uh, particularly rewarding taking developers who would come in with maybe their first ever development and now I've got developers doing 70, 100 units a year. Um, we've sort of nurtured them through. I found that a particularly rewarding element of the uh, of the experience. Working in the largest modular housing, so for legal in general we ended up selling the largest modular housing unit. It's now not trading anymore. Uh, yeah. But that has nothing to do with us. <laughs> <laughs> we sold all the units. Yeah. I think they just decided that modular housing maybe was uh, a step too far at the moment. But that was exciting seeing how a house can go up in a single day. there's not been lots of key, uh, key moments that I'll treasure from the, the London New Homes. Yeah.
0: That's
1: cool. So tell us a little bit more about the modular stuff because yeah. I don't know too much about that. I must admit, there'll be developers listening to this that not maybe is interesting. So, how does that how's exactly. that work in a sort of
2: overview? You said a house in a day, is this literally where they're slotting them in and the pre built? Yeah, bringing of... them in the back. So, they design them typically to go onto the back of lorries, articulated lorries, so they can get them through on wide load and they can deliver them in. And typically, the way that the legal in general and a lot of modular housing works is they work in four blocks. So, you've got two to your ground floor two to your first floor and mm. uh, they just build them in the factory so you have a, a very large a visit the factories they're amazing they have very large factory aircraft hangar styles and they have like production lines so the rooms oh. and the floors go on these huge lifts that go across and each person does their own part and they come out electrics are all in carpets are all in kitchens are all in they put them together so you build that square like in a day it goes up, they just fix them all together steel construction but the bit that took the time, and the bit that I think with a lot of the models is the skinning. So they then had to wrap them in brick and put a roof on them, which then is back to sort of the original trade way uh, of doing yeah. it. Which means that it's it can be slow. It's subject to getting the right staff, uh, getting people in to do it. So mm-hmm. I think there are definitely challenges. I think it can be uh, it can be developed further, and I'm sure in the future it will move further, but uh, Ilky Homes and Legal in general both recently pulled out of the modular housing market. They were some of the biggest companies that did it in the UK. But there are still a number of companies pushing forward with it. So it's interesting, it's it's at uh, like the early stages. America has a massive amount of modular housing built. I was just about to ask, is there that other that yeah. countries
1: that are really into that? And, and do, yeah. you, do you see that as the future of house building or do you think
2: it's I going did. to have a place? I thought it was going to mm-hmm. revolutionise it. I'm no. not sure it is. I'm not sure it is. In- but if you go to your local McDonald's, they're one modular. So, commercial, right? yeah, so pretty much, unless it's in a, a, a current building, but if you go onto the motorway or anything like that, those commercial units that they put up really quickly, they're modular. So they're built in a modular factory, oh, wow. they're then brought out, they go up instantaneously. And so if it works within commercial, and it works really well, then it's gonna work in residential. It's going yeah, 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 definitely. And is there any other, you do your own developments as well, I do, yeah. So as a side hustle, mm-hmm. everyone loves a yeah, side hustle. I love that profitable side <science>, hustle. <laughs> <Wow. science>, yeah. <laughs> Among the ten companies that we've got, I've also over the last uh, fifteen years—well, probably a little bit before fifteen years mainly—I've done a variety of property flips. I've done, I bought farms and converted the barns. I've done straight out builds. I've done student uh, apartment schemes. Uh, Great two list of buildings that were flats back into one big Georgian townhouse, which are. Which we're in now. Oh, yeah, is that yeah. in now? It's <laughs> uh, so a very that. impressive property, by the way. Thank you very much, yeah.
1: shall we? <laughs> I'll do a discount on your thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Free. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So, you, you do loads of development. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about because there's a lot of investors and developers listening. Do a lot of this land sourcing, don't you? Planning, do. game type stuff. Could yeah. you tell us a little bit about that, maybe? Any yeah. key tips for anyone else
2: who's looking to maybe do that? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a spin-off business, really. That when we start the land in new homes, we deal with a lot of land, and uh, you can take a piece of land which is worth fifteen thousand as arable land, and you can turn it into something worth seven hundred and fifty thousand within eighteen months, typically. Sometimes as quick as nine to eighteen months. So there's a huge amount of value. The upside is big. Um, the barriers to entry to it is the knowledge that you need from a planning point of view, which mm-hmm. can be quite expensive, technical. Yeah, Can't yeah. Be quite technical. but you can get a planning consultant to help you with that. And then you need to be able to go out and piece the deal together. So you need to be able to go and approach landowners, farmers. Um, a lot of these bits of land are now owned by multiple people, so they've been passed down from the old mm-hmm. farmer to their kids who are no longer farmers. So you've got like seven siblings who we'll all own a bit you all need to bring to the table at the same time, can be very complicated. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of complications which make it quite a, a difficult thing to do. And mm. it's historically being done by um, older chartered surveyors mm. who are a little bit more slower in their approach to the market. Whereas when I approach it, I approach it with a certain amount of bigger and sales enthusiasm. Yeah. We want to do a lot of them. We want to do, so my advice to someone looking to do it would be, um, Really, you need to you need a bit of experience before you go straight into it. Mm. You need to try and gain some experience either through pla- um, partnering up with a very good planning consultant, someone you're not hungry themselves, maybe do a JV with them, a problem trying to do it yourself. You go out, the deal, they do the planning, they evaluate it, you it's then share shows. the profits. Yeah, I'd say finally, but again, planners can be by their very nature, their detailed nature, can be more relaxed people. Uh, and not necessarily go get get it it longer. So yeah, Yeah. but but they are out there. We found planners that are hungry, young, want to do something knowledgeable. That's your JV partner on something like that. Mm. And then once you've got used to a couple, you can either go your own ways and try and do it, but yeah.
1: yeah.
2: And you're doing quite a volume of these deals? Got about 60 in play at the moment. 60 in play right now. So that's stuff that you purchased on options or straight purchases or whatever. Don't don't do the options. So we do a promotion. So an option is where we would agree personally to buy that Mm -hmm. from the landowner. Mm -hmm. We do a promotion agreement, which is where we say to the owner, we will sell it to open market. We don't want part of it. So basically we're on the owner's side. What we want to do is get the best planning for it, maximize the land value, and sell it for the best possible price. Because what we we get, a portion of that that land value the ups the they pay to us. So the more we sell it for, the more we earn. Which means that both of our objectives with the landowner and us are unified. Option agreements can be quite good for the developer, but what they're looking to do is they're looking to lower the price as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Because the cheaper you buy the property, the price, the cheaper oh. you buy the land, the more profit the larger, you make at the end. Yeah. So you're working in some cases against what the landowner wants. So We position ourselves with the landowner as their expert, I guess like a JV, yeah, yeah. where we're their expertise and we go together, and that's what we're looking to do maximise. And then we now, we were doing lots of sites of four or five, we've now got sites where we're dealing with 13, 14 acres, where we're really looking at hundreds of houses going on there, oh, wow. and we'll be selling them to the Nationals as well. So uh, it's really sort of evolved and it's really interesting. So it was a site hustle, is it now the main hustle? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that. That was the main hustle for a while, Um, then we've evolved another business off the back of that called DNA, which I'll speak to you a little bit about in a bit, but uh, my my side hustle, which was my development side, which was flipping properties and uh, things like that, is now more of my main hustle. The 10 companies that Ian and I own all have really good business leaders in them, so Ian and I spend our time within those businesses developing, nurturing and growing them but it does leave us more time now to pursue stuff that we personally want to do. And Mm -hmm. I love the deal. I love getting the deals. I love, you know, getting them done. I love the design element of it. I love everything about flipping property. I think it's really good. And now I'm in a unique situation where I have 10 uh, businesses, which uh, a lot of them, probably about seven of them feed me deals regularly. They bring me up and say, I've seen this, I've seen that. Do you want this? Mm -hmm. Do you want that? So I'm just throwing deals left, right, and centre. Oh, I don't need to go hunt for them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they're just given to me, which kind of takes a little bit of the excitement away. But
1: um, it, I'm not it's a good place to be because yes. your businesses are kind of complement each other and kind of yeah. cross pollinating if yeah. that's the word. Yeah. And um, that's a, that's a good place to be. You know, I'm not finding some of these deals is, is quite a challenge. Used to be. Um, yeah. And now they're coming to you. That that's great. And, and you you're building the business side. This isn't you just you doing it, is it? You've got a nope. team
2: of. Architects, planners and stuff in-house now? Town planning, architecture. Um, I've got a number of investors that I now work with, which has allowed me to do more of these. So I'm doing JVs, I'm doing straight lending with them where they're just funding projects. to go to a project, they like the project, they help fund it. We give them a really good return. Or um, if they want in and they want to be involved in it, obviously I have run it, uh, but they can come and see it. They can, you know, people like being involved in yeah. property, but sometimes yeah. don't want to actually do, it do. Yeah, it's that. They don't want to find the deal, do the stuff, but they want to be, you know, they want to see the end product and be involved with it. Yeah. And so we, we bring that through as well. And that's allowed me really to expand the number of deals that I'm yeah. now yeah. able to do. So a lot of the deals I was getting before, I was just, I love the deal, but I can't place it anywhere. I have got the to do it, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point you said there about some people want to be involved, but the members don't
1: have the time to do it themselves yeah. or the skill set because this is really technical. Yeah. Now, I've been to your office where you're that business from and you've got a team of people that are highly skilled in different areas, and, and if they don't have the time or the skill set, or both, they can still get involved in those type deals by by Vane, kind of with, with yeah. you, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, what other property strategies do you like, or are you involved in, or do you see a future in? I know you're doing a lot of that type of stuff now. Are you still flipping houses? Or are you buying to hold, or are you doing HMOs, anything like that, what,
2: SA properties? Uh, the only thing that we're not doing at the moment is probably HMOs. Mm-hmm. So I'm buying flip. I just agreed to flip last week on a little two-bed terrace in York. Uh, we're up in a JV with Investor, 50-50 on that. So I'll do it. He funds it. We flip it. high degree of certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, some stuff that we're doing down in Central York, which is where we're converting a 7,000-square-foot commercial unit into two big houses, six-bed and five-bed, and a commercial unit down there. But yeah, it's really exciting. And do you, is your exit mainly to sell these? Do you, or do you hold many? Or? The one that I've just discussed down, the 7, the 7,000 square foot, we will probably retain, and we okay. will probably holiday let them and keep the commercial for maybe some of our businesses. But the flip that I'm doing, the two-bed terrace, that's a straight in and out. That's a four-week to six-week renovation job, and that's a sale, liquidate the SPV, and then both of us go our separate ways after taking our profit. And so I'll do a mixture of these where we retain them, and where we uh, we just flip them out.
1: Love
2: that, love that. It's a, it's a very different approach. I
1: find I find you and Ian both fascinating, guys. I mean, you know, I've said that to you before, yeah. for your age and for what you're doing. <clears throat> I think it. I think it's mega. To be fair, it, it really is. What What do you? A couple of questions. I I could ask okay. a lot of <laughs> questions. A couple of questions <laughs> I'd like to ask. Sure. So, what do you see? Do you, do you foresee yourself doing that for a long time? Do you think, do you think there's, a, there's a lot of scope for that market still to grow regardless of what's going on in the economy? Do you think there's land stuff, is that where you think it's at? Or do you think there's maybe stuff that's going to come that's different? Is that kind of your, your thing at the moment? Or, or
2: uh, is it's, it? it's hard to do. I can't see anything that's going to come that's different. But mm. then I've set up several spin-off businesses off the back of other businesses that we never saw coming. Uh, no, I think that property flipping, uh, provided you can find the deal, will be around. There's always There's going to be money in that. Always it? going to be money in that. It's just finding the yeah. right deal. And what we have is that I know the property markets all over Yorkshire very well. So I know what mm-hmm. stuff's going to sell for. I know we've built loads of stuff. I know what it's going to build for. I can evaluate stuff myself without a builder or a mm-hmm. surveyor coming out. So we could be quick to move. So yeah, I think I think I, I enjoy that. You can also pick it up and take it away so I don't have to do deals if I don't want. So if I want a bit of time away from the business, I just don't do the deal. I just maybe give the deal to someone else or just leave the deal alone. So I think I probably would do this into my uh, twilight years of yeah. work. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Why not? Do you enjoy it and it's yeah. good money? And some of them the massive
1: mentions me is is there anything numbers that you happy to share on any particular deals that
2: have that you've done that were like wow that was like yeah i mean on the property development side we recently uh, bought a commercial building in york um we uh secured a building for two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. we got planning permission to convert it we got several planning permissions but we ended up converting it into uh, four apartments uh, i managed to bring the building i got a number of quotes from sort of quantity surveyors and stuff who told me the build was going to cost me 650, which i said it's not. I bought it in for 390 mm-hmm. uh, and we just had them valued at 1.2 million. Yeah, so what are you all in at that? 2.6 million hundred million. You're all in? Yeah, three you're three. looking about half a million pounds worth of yeah. profit out of that. We did that one last year. Now we've retained those. Um, but yeah, I've been chasing that, that building for three years. Really? Yeah, three years, we've been in contact with the owner and it just happened that uh, the owner who were in contact mm. unfortunately died and it went to his daughters and, and we spoke to them. They wanted rid of it. We bought it at the same time we got it for what we thought was a fair market value. I had a commercial tenant, so we should get rid of. It took a bit of negotiation. It wasn't quite straightforward. Yeah, yeah. And the build cost, I just ran the project and we bought it in for what I wanted to bring it in. Well, slightly under what I wanted to bring it in for. We just made it rid percent below what they were telling. Yeah, some of the numbers that's were great. Quite, but, I, yeah, but we had two. We had two like that. Cause I said the first one I said no. Yeah. Second one I was like maybe I'm maybe yeah. I'm not there. They had to really yeah. go through yeah. it and work out whether I was going to be right or not. I was like no, I know I'm right. Mm. And we did it to a high spec. Uh, we put like roll top. Um, we kept one of them as a holiday light. We put a roll-top cast iron by at the bath on the balcony and uh, oh, cool. overlooking towards the Minster and, you know, put a big cherry blossom tree throughout and stuff like that. Oh, wow. So it wasn't like we did it on the cheap. we yeah, did yeah. We did a nice finish. You went for
1: it. Yeah. And, and Ian said something about any um, business, in all the businesses that you bought jointly own, you always try and go for a premium, as in not yeah. competing on the price and going to the lower end. Is that something that you... I'm assuming that's intentional. Is that something that
2: you do when you flips as well? Is it is it go, are you going after that higher sort of end stuff? Yeah. So when I evaluate a deal, um, I always work on a much higher build cost and a much lower sale price. But I'll always have an eye, a very keen idea of where that sale price is, and it will be towards the higher end. I'm not going to look to break the sealant on a street typically mm. because you're looking for that one individual buyer. And to be honest, mm. when I flip, I want in and I want out. And therefore yeah. i'm looking towards the high just above average really at uh, mm. price and i'll put it in at a keen price with a view that i'll get several buyers in and hopefully we'll get above asking price is mm. the view that i'll look at that mm. I, think, I think that's that, that's really interesting and a lot of
1: people in business that don't kind of i know you're saying you're conservative with your projections and numbers but if you're going after that higher yeah, that premium spec yeah um i think there's always going to be a market for that isn't it no, yeah, no matter what you're not kind of competing A lot of time when you compete on price, it's a race to the bottom, isn't it? Yeah.
0: In
1: in this way, you seem to be doing that with most things that you're involved in. Like the property we're sitting in is it's quite high spec. Um so fair play, absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. What does the what does the future hold for James and what does the
2: future hold for, for property investors and developers, in your opinion? Future hold for property investors and developers. Um I think it's much the same. So I think the outlook when you're looking at the financial market is relatively stable. So we've got no interest rates aren't going up at the moment. In fact, a lot of banks and stuff that we talk to now are talking Reduce. about de- reducing rates. Not down to where they were. That was crazy. Mm. But you know, at a rate that makes business worthwhile doing. So I think the property market's going to recover well. Um, not that it was really subdued, not that it really went down like 2008 last year, but it was certainly a little bit more subdued. Yeah. So in the market will recover, and I think there's great opportunities in land, there's a housing crisis, there's a huge demand for residential. So I think there's lots of opportunity for people out there. Um, on the flip side, there are a lot of people in this game now. Mm. Um, that's true. It seems to be cool to be an investor now, doesn't it? That's it, everyone's trying to do it. Everyone's trying to do it. In some instances, there's a lot more competition with what you're going mm-hmm. for, which is why we concentrate typically on off market uh, deals mm. and not on market. Typically, if it's on right move and it's land, I personally won't touch it because mm. it's probably not sold. It's lot too lot. late, is it? It's too late. Mm. It's too late to the buy. You want something that's off market. Mm. And how how are you finding
1: these off market opportunities? I know you said you're of your different businesses that are kind yeah. of all feeding to you anyway.
2: What are you doing? Direct-to-vendor campaigns? Are you doing letters? Are you scraping data? What, what is it you, you're Let, doing? Letters we use, so we use software to able to see who owns it, so it depends. We'll set out a criteria of what we want to do. So do we want to flip large houses in Central York? Well, if so, let's find every building in Central York that uh, is owned, not owned by like a big company, that's owned by Mr. and Mrs. Jones, or owned by a pension fund or something like that. Let's target them. Send them letters, but don't just send them letters, pick up the phone, you know, there's a wealth of, uh, of information out there. Typically, if you look hard enough, you can usually find through LinkedIn, through all these other things, you can find out who owns it and you can probably make direct contact. So don't go through their agent, make direct contact with them. And then have a chat with them. They'll usually refer you to an agent in a lot of cases. By that point, you've already made the established relationship with them. And you'll get a lot of no's, a lot of doors standing in your face, but ultimately, you'll find it. So you might do 50. You, know, you, might, you might send out 50 letters, do 40 phone calls, Speak to ten people, mm. get one person. But that one deal is an off-market mm. deal, and if you can negotiate it right, worth a few quid. That's your deal. That's that's you year done. That's all you needed to do. Mm. Yeah, and so that's what we do. Love that. And do you think, because you said
1: at the very start you you still or you did love the salesy aspect, it's yeah. finding the deal, closing the deal. Do you think you, because you're clearly good at sales, do you think you've kind of injected that into this? planning game type stuff, and you're kind determined, you're happy to pick up the phone, because I imagine there's people <clears throat> who are scared to pick up the phone, you might send them some letters and hide behind the emails or hide behind the computer, but yeah. picking up the phone's a skill, right? Do you think your
2: sales experience in the early days is now helping you with what you're doing now? 100%. Yeah, we, were, we came from a corporate sales background, Ian and yeah. I in the state agency, and it was, you know, kill or be killed, you pick up the phone, you make those deals happen, or you get out the door, and so it was all about just making that contact. And now, you know, technology plays such a key role in everything. But I think for the younger guys coming through, maybe they don't mm. have that impetus on picking up the phone. First, pick it up, aren't they? Pick it up. Yeah, go and find the number. Now, worst case scenario, they're going to say, "I don't want to speak to you." Yeah. Okay. Next. Next. Yeah, There's, yeah. Else. There's loads of opportunities. Yeah, There's loads yeah. of opportunities. And yeah, you know, some people might say, "Not now, later." So diarise it. Stay in contact. Uh, you can build a database go to go back to where deals start coming to you that you spoke to one, two years ago. Mm. And do you still do, you still do that? Now? Do you still pick up the phone? Yeah. Do you still do that? We see a good deal. Yeah. Or if I drive past something and I can see commercial tenants going out of business and I look at the building mm-hmm. and I think, that's nice, that boom, let's get a land registry, let's find out who owns yeah, it, yeah. let's... Let's then dig around, see who we know, speak to local agents, speak to surveyors. Someone's going to know who owns this building if it's not mm. registered, because sometimes titles aren't registered if they've been yeah, yeah. uh, pre-70s there. So it might be been in the same family for a long, a long period of time. But you can, you can dig around and you can find, usually. Mm. There aren't many, and there have been some, but we haven't been able to find the owners of yeah.
1: You, you, you come to life a little bit when you're talking about that, you, I, I think you, loved, you still love that,
2: all yeah, yeah. of the deal type do thing. Do the deal, do the deal, yeah, yeah. selling and buying, that's what well. it's right. Love that, I love yeah. that,
1: it's a lost though, isn't it, in, in yeah. sales people for some reason have got a bit of a bad rep haven't they now, yeah. maybe it's because of double glazing, sales people call yeah. sales people maybe the slimy salesperson. but yeah, sales, I'm as you know I'm, I'm huge on sales, I love sales, yeah. And I think it's helped me and every business that I've been involved in yeah. it. it. sounds like it's, it's helped you. and
2: Massively, and the way I approach a deal is the win-win. Mm. So make, yeah. sure it's, make sure it's a win for them, make sure it's a win for you. So you might want a good price, but they might want a quick exit, you know? So you just find out what they're looking for, find out what it is, what niche that they want, whether it's price, timescale, security, whatever it is, and then make sure that the deal works for you and the deal works for them. If it doesn't work for both parties, don't do then it. walk away, don't do yeah. it. Yeah, so win-win. I think that's a, a great lesson and um, a lot of people
1: don't look for that if, if, yeah. if, if you if you look into what a lot of people's ethics are and the way they conduct themselves it's it's how can they win sometimes to the detriment of others but I've certainly found in the people that I've interviewed and, and the successful people that I know like yourself you know that's what people are trying to create the people who've done it a long time and are yeah. successful over a long enough time frame that the create win wins, it's yeah. everyone's got to win. And there's enough margin in a lot of deals to create that. Definitely. It's not always about like you said at the start, about the way you're doing the land deals. It's you're on the kind of landowner side a little yeah. bit, opposed to developers and like maybe trying to get an absolute steal and, and build the margin. And I think yeah. that's a a good
2: lesson and it's it's it, it's I think it's part of the reason maybe you've done so well is yeah you've got that sort of viewpoint well we have people coming back to us now that we bought things from to say i've got other stuff that you want to buy and we might not have paid them the, the, the full price they would have got on market but we delivered on what we said we were going to do and we also didn't screw them on the price so hard yeah. that there was nothing in it for them so they then come back to you and landowners talk to each other mm-hmm. so i'd say certainly so the farmers they all know yeah. each other all yeah. so yeah. you want to be fair you want to make the deal work for you Mm. But you don't, um, if you see an opportunity where you're in the power and you could do it, I'd suggest not going to the bottom line and just rinsing them out of it for the most amount of money you can take because that might come back to bite you at like later date. Short sighted, isn't it? Short sighted, yeah. Make sure the deal works for them and for you because there might be future business you can do with them. Mm. Love that,
1: love that. You mentioned um, the D- DNA Club, is that right? That's right, yeah. 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 So, what's the
2: DNA Club? So as we've most of our businesses amalgamated from other businesses that we've been trading. And I mentioned one of the key things that I really enjoyed about my time within the London New Homes when I set it up was taking developers like myself when I first started out, but taking developers from their first site through to doing mega sites, 70s, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great thing to watch the experience and we have a lot of knowledge within our team about what we're doing with that. So DNA is the Developers Network Association and basically what it is is it's a it's a it's a way that developers can grow their business without growing their teams. Mm. So, there's lots of growing issues when you're a developer.
1: Mm.
2: Um, we can take over snagging services, uh, introduction to um, lenders, valuation reports, planning assessments. We can do all of this for them. And we also combine it with uh, every two months, we do a peer to peer meeting where we get in keynote speakers around planning, we get national house building CEOs to come in and have a chat with them about how they started out in the future and how they see the market financial aspects and things like that. Because again, when you're an SME guy and you're on your own, you might just be you with a couple of people and it's you running, it. it's going to be quite like a lonely space. And where do you get your career, where do you get development from? How do you learn all these skills? Like I was thrown in to doing all these things like HR and all that stuff as you grow fortunately i had ian with me and so we were doing it as a family but if you're on your own it can be incredibly tough and scary where do you learn that so we're just trying to create a a place for people to be able to who are in growth mode who are small and medium size to really expand up to what they can they can hopefully be Mm.
1: i love that love that it sounds like really interesting project and um
2: how do they get involved in that, if someone listening is interested in that? What's the if they're interested, then i uh, tell you, just put my details out there, it's not me running it, it's, uh, it's my uh, London New Homes director, Claire Scott, that's running the DNA project, but get in contact with me, we'll have an initial chat with you. Um, if you're doing your first development, it's probably at this stage not for you, although because we are looking for people who have already got a bit of an established thing for our first step group. Yeah. But we are going to start a sort of a foundation base as well for people looking into get, looking into development where we can introduce funding. We can uh, do deal clinics. They bring a deal to us. We evaluate the deal for them. We can introduce them. And, yeah. yeah. So really, it's just going to give them the skills and the knowledge or parts of the, the skills and knowledge. They might have loads here and not some there. We can sort of round it off to make sure that their first couple of projects are really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so get in contact with me. Um, I'll refer you across to Claire I'll have an initial chat and just see if it's something of interest love that um, two more
1: questions um, if if someone's uh, you've answered it a little bit but I think it's good to get some specifics on it yeah. if someone's wanting to get into developing mm-hmm. or into planning games is there any sort of advice that you would give them because you've been there you've done it you've started from nothing you've went through the yeah. ranks and done all the reps and now you're doing sort of large stuff at yeah. 60 odd sites any sort of generalized advice that you would give people? Super basic. I mean, I would start small. So when yeah. I started,
2: I started with a little house, a little apartment flip, 50 grand apartment flip. And then, you know, I moved on from those. When we started our planning business, we started with really small stuff, test it, make sure it's few, and make sure it works. Unfortunately, with the advent of, sort of some social media platforms now, everyone's about selling the dream. Like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. It's all big. But a lot of it sometimes is. It's not true. It's not true. Definitely. So uh, people get sold, like my nephew who's 20, he's like, oh, I need to be doing this, I need to be doing that. So actually, you probably just need to do the basics to start off with. Get a little house, do a little flip, make sure it works. Even if the profit's not major, you can have a high level of certainty to sell when it's something small and there's a big market for it, which means you're not going to lose money. Mm. No,
1: I love that. And completely agree. There's a lot of people on social media that are seeing one thing and doing another that or seeing things that that maybe's read. That maybe yeah. can speak online, but they haven't actually done it themselves. And I yeah. think a lot of people get duped into this shiny penny kind of syndrome of look at all these weird. I mean, you might see someone on, online talking about a monster development they're doing. You might think I could do that, or they're telling you they'll train you how to do it. But in reality, like get one of those wrong,
2: you're you're to done. Done. be
1: bankruptcy, you can be end of everything, lose everything, yeah, and exactly. starting small. Although nobody wants to hear that because they all want the big success okay. yesterday. You've just got to do the reps. You've done it 15 plus years. Like you said, you've yeah. got to do the reps. You've got, got to do your time. You probably weren't doing land deals in 8700 grand 15 years ago. No. No,
2: you no. just can't skip those reps, can you? No, you can't because um, yeah, you, you learn a lot from it. And we are, we've had a lot of business failures. We've had businesses that haven't worked. And I'm a big believer in that you learn more from the failures than often you do from the successes. But you've got to go out 100%. and do those. Definitely. You've got to put yourself on the pitch to score the goal, haven't you? 100%. Um,
1: love that and the last question I ask everybody (laughs) uh, because it's called The Rags to Riches Show um, is what does being rich mean to you because you're clearly a wealthy guy you've been very successful but being rich can mean different things it can be rich in your personal life in time in loads of different things so what does being rich mean to to James Baker
2: ah being rich (laughs) (laughs) I think um, it's about Quality of time, so I'm now able to spend more time doing stuff like development flips, which I love doing. I'm able to spend more time abroad, which I like. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people like holidays. I'm, I'm able to, you know, uh, if I have a hobby that I really like, cars or something like that, I'm able to spend time and money on that. So it, it affords me a level of quality to the time uh, in work and also out of work. Mm. I think that's probably. Love that. I think that's great, and it's not
1: always—it's not always about money. And I think as you get more money, it becomes less about the money, doesn't it? It was—it was it about the money at the start. Thing? Oh yeah, yeah. it oh, yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Start when, when I had
2: nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all money, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all money, yeah. So yeah. You are in your one-bedroom flat or your bed set, and you know, you're like—you've mm. got aspirations of where you want to go. Then it's all about the money but uh, now it's about the quality of time I get to spend with my family. It's about the quality of time and stuff that I get to do that I'm passionate about doing outside of the businesses and also, I now get to spend more time doing jobs that I want to do. I don't have to lick the toad as much yeah. because I have other people that can lick the toad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's
1: a good way to end the episode <laughs> about licking toads. But James, thank you so much. Um, if anybody wants to reach out, you know, I strongly recommend reaching out to this guy. He's he's just getting onto his social media. He's He's very successful in business but I doesn't do that much on social media but no. that's coming so it's changing yeah it's changing getting up with the times um, but if you, if someone wants to reach out to you if they're interested in following you looking at your journey or anything what's the best way for them to reach out is it social media or Is probably it probably
2: Instagram at the moment we're just starting that's out it. on that front but I'll give you uh, an email address and Instagram Put it in people yeah, yeah, people can um, get in touch reach
1: out
0: that way perfect yeah. well James thank you so much really enjoyed that uh, thanks for your time appreciate it Terry thanks, well, for thanks a lot thanks